It's an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the laws are complicated and constantly changing, the wisest and safest way to keep track of them all is to call elder law attorney Michael Cohen. Having devoted his career to informing and protecting the elderly, Michael communicates about the law in ways that you and your loved ones will surely understand. Join us now to know your legal rights with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here's Michael and Don. I once again welcome you to another Estate Planning Essentials program, endlessly efforting to protect your family, your assets, and you. And I'm virtually sitting with Dallas Elder Law Attorney, the Michael Cohen. Hello, Michael. Hello, Don. How are you doing today? Fine, thank you. It's good to hear your voice. I wish I could see your voice. Can you see voices? But at least see your face, but we're not allowed to do that yet. You know, hopefully uh, we'll make progress. I hope people will be getting vaccinated soon and Hopefully, our economy will also be getting uh, better as well. Uh, of course, our health is the most important. Yes, exactly. And uh, it's winter time, so be as healthy as you possibly can because it's cold out there. Uh, bundle up. I wore four layers this morning walking the dog twice. And um, so you can't bundle up enough and protect yourself enough. And that is, again, the theme of this program today, as always. And you've been educating us, Michael, for years and years about protecting our assets while we're alive and after we pass away. And today, you want to talk about a specific situation when, surprisingly, the heirs cannot find the original will of the deceased and all the problems that can cause. A lot of people don't realize, I think we probably should go through the idea of why you need to find the original will first and what happens with wills, and uh, you have to go by law. So first of all, uh, let's probably take a step back and say, why do you need the original will, and why do we even need to probate a will? And mm-hmm. the answer is sometimes yes and sometimes no. Uh, if you have debts or if you have, uh, let's say, accounts that are in your individual name mm-hmm. uh, that, that do not have a beneficiary designation, then you need to transfer the title of the assets, uh, and you need to have the authority to do so. So let me give you an example. Okay. Let's say you have an, an individual account. Let's say it's a Don Crawford Jr., and it had just your name, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Or if it, you had, uh, whether it be a checking account or an investment account, uh, and it just had your name, and that was mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. How do I transfer that stock or that account to uh, and go according to my will, assuming you had a will? Now, I say assuming you had a will because if you don't have a will, then you got to go by the laws of intestacy, unless there's something else. That if you either had some beneficiary designation or if you had a trust. But uh, so so then some people say, why do I even need a will? There's lots of reasons why you might need a will, uh, and it's not just transfer title. A lot of times people think, oh, well, I don't need any kind of will. All I have to have is a beneficiary designation that supersedes a will. But there's lots of different issues that could occur tax issues, what happens if somebody's disabled, creditor issues, lots of different things that could be avoided, and so that gets into a different story. But let's go through back to the topic of the day. If it was an individual account, how do I transfer that individual account, and what if the will just says, my everything goes to my children? 
Okay, mm-hmm. or to my spouse, or something mm-hmm. like that. Well, one second there. It's just because you have the will. The court. It's not just having the will. You have the court has to say that the will's good. And when you have a will to probate the will, which is the process of having it validated, say that the will was good, so that you could have that authority. Usually you have what's called letters testamentary if you're the executor, which gives you authority to transfer that stock or to transfer that checking account. To get to that point, you have to show that the will was valid under Texas law. Now, how do you show that it's valid? First of all, you have to go by the state's rules. By the way, if you have a trust, you make your own rules. So there's a difference when you have this, mm-hmm. when you have a will, you got to go by whatever the laws of the state. You have to have an application for probate which has to have some various things in there, which we'll go with just a second. But then uh, the will has to be valid. Well, under Texas law, if you do not have the original, the original means the signed one, not the photocopy, the original. We usually ask people to sign in blue ink so you can mm-hmm. tell it's original because, you know, photocopying so good today. If you have the original, then it's usually less of an issue, assuming the will was done properly. But what happens if you can't find the original? If you have a photocopy, the presumption was destruction, the presumption Hmm. of destruction. The presumption is that the will was destroyed. And so now you have to rebut that presumption. You have to say in your application, there are basically there are six steps that you have to take, or at least five, to make sure that uh, to try to overcome the presumption of destruction. And so... uh, that's what you'll have to do. So your will, when you're doing your application, you're going to have to do some different things that you normally don't do in an application. Mm-hmm. Normally in an application, you say, okay, the person died, they're re- where they resided at the time of their death. Uh, and nowadays, uh, under te- Texas our law, I don't know if it's constitutional or not, they ask for the last three digits of the social security number and driver's license, mm-hmm. both the deceased and the executor. Hmm. Uh, you have to say, you know, that uh, you have to tell about relationships. If there was a marriage, if that spouse deceased, they have to say reasonable amount of whatever the assets, although they don't get really too technical on that. They don't really hold you to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, uh, uh, you know, you might name the witnesses that were uh, in the, in the will, uh, uh, now, typically, most wills have what's called a self-proving affidavit. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the will, so that you don't have to bring the witnesses to court, the witnesses to the will swear that you're, that the de- deceased now uh, was over, or the person who wrote the will was over 18 at that time, generally, and the witnesses reached over the age of 14. Mm-hmm. And that they signed it in each other's presence and the presence of each other. So when you have a, when you sign a will, usually we have a will signing ceremony where we go through the formalities uh, when you sign a will. You actually sign the will before two disinterested witnesses. The person who signs the will has to be over age 18. Hmm. The witnesses have to be over the age of 14 in Texas. Uh, in other states, it's different. And if they swear before the notary and and the person who was signing the will that all that was that the will was good and valid that they right. the person was of sound mind and disposing mind it's their last will and testament uh, then assuming they have mental capacity and there was no undue influence that the will will be valid without having to bring the witnesses to court if you have that you know in the um, as part of the will 
uh, now, usually that means you don't have to bring the witnesses, but if there was undue influence or duress or the person lacked capacity or somebody didn't fill in a blank, then you may have to bring the witnesses to court. But 99% of the time, that's not the case. Usually, if it's done, it's just automatic pretty much. It's A lot of times, it's very simple to probate a will in Texas if it was done properly. The problem becomes that when you don't have the original will, it's presumed to be destroyed under Texas law. Before you go so, any further, I want to just ask you, when it comes to that will signing ceremony, um, mm-hmm. because of COVID and video conferencing and the like, can you have that ceremony via Zoom or other means? Well, you know... The answer is the court, I mean, the last April, uh, the governor did relax some different things, but it's mm-hmm. best to have, uh, you could, it, it is best, you still, to, for to be in person, to have, uh, to, so, uh, you know, they did relax it where you could do different things. You still always have to have witnesses, but there is the ability to have, uh, the ability to do things uh, virtually, okay. uh, but uh, on certain documents. So there's actually, you know, they, they have a list of the few different documents that they think are okay that you could do uh, mm-hmm. virtually. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, of course, it's always best to do it uh, in person if you can. And I know that we have to be safe. So, um, you know, you just do the best you can. And even if you did something virtually, uh, then you could always, hopefully, if you're okay, uh, come back and resign it in person. Right. Uh, the other thing is that sometimes people could even have holographic wills, which means that wholly in your handwriting. Right. Of course, those things are different because usually you have to, uh, when you prove up a will that's holographic, you have to have a couple people that saw, uh, said that this is your handwriting. And so mm-hmm. there's additional uh, proof requirements. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, so you can actually even have that in, in these, well, anytime you could have had a holographic will, but I imagine there might be more of these um, pandemic days. What I've also found, Michael, before we go any further, too, is have you thought about or employed the idea of of videotaping those signing ceremonies? Sometimes that could be good, sometimes not. Right, right. So, you know, if you think there's a potential for a will contest, a lot of people, a lot of the litigators, and now, of course, I'm a lover, not a fighter, but a lot of litigators uh, say it's best not to have it uh, because it could show that, uh, the person, especially if there was uh, either a questionable capacity right. or if the person was, oh, uh, let's say it was mother with son and the mother's older, and she says, now what do you want me to do? Oh, that, mm-hmm. <laughs> then that yeah. kind of makes it sound like it's not your will. Right. You know, so right. uh, that that could be used against you. And mm-hmm. so a lot of times people don't do the video. But, you know, I guess uh, you could do it uh, mm-hmm. but if everything else is okay. Right. Uh, it kind of gives you some you know, some other proof, assuming that there's not these other issues that could crop up that could result in a will contest like either uh, undue influence or lack of capacity, things like that. Okay. Uh, All right. So, again, so normally, again, when you have a will, you have to have certain things. But when you have to have, when you have a photocopy of a will, you'll need other things. Always you'll need, of course, the person who died, their residence, that the uh, whoever was named as the executor, that they're qualified to act as executor, they haven't been adjudicated as incompetent or being mm-hmm. a, uh, convicted of a crime of moral turpitude or a felony, mm-hmm. that they're qualified, there must be a 
there may be or may not be a need for administration or to pay the bills, et cetera. Uh, there, you'll have to kind of give the marital history. You'll have to do some just general things about jurisdiction, where the person uh, lives, et cetera, the, the executor, um, to determine if there was a need for uh, a resident person to receive citation if there was a lawsuit. So there's some general things. But then with the when you have a photocopy of the will, there are additional things because we presume destruction, as we said earlier uh, in the show. So there are basically about six different things that you need to do uh, in the application or depending on what the facts may be to prove a photocopy uh, of the will. The first Great. thing is, okay, I'm sorry. I was going to stop you and talk about your workshop first okay. and leave the okay. audience hanging. I hate to do that, but um, I do want to promote the next workshop because this is where you get to validate or verify what you have done by asking Michael questions about your personal circumstances, where he will answer them to the best of his knowledge and ability, legally, of course, in that workshop, which is a virtual workshop. And that is scheduled to be on February the 13th, which is a Saturday at 10 a.m. Uh, yes, the day before, I guess the day before Valentine's Day. Um, yeah. So what a it's loving gift. deal. Yes, exactly. It's for sweetheart because it's free, of course. You never pay for Michael's workshops. And what a great way to bond or connect with your sweetheart or spouse, whomever, to go to this workshop and talk about the future. Men usually uh, predecease women. Uh, women live longer, typically, is my understanding. Um, so this would be a good thing for you to do just to ask questions and spend a couple hours on a Saturday morning to make things right or at least get some questions answered. What, what else goes on there, Michael, typically? Well, we ask, you know, we ask people what they want to know. What is it that you would like to know? Mm -hmm. And we answer the questions, and it could range anything from something about wills or trust or powers of attorney or mm -hmm. Medicaid benefits or pe people being disabled, mm -hmm. creditor issues. It could be any number of things. We never know what people ask. It could be, you know, with the Biden administration, they may be asking about what will happen with estate taxes or capital mm -hmm. gains taxes or right. or income taxes or whatever it could be. We never know what the questions are going to be and how will the laws change. The laws change. We, uh, you know, of course, every year the laws are changed. Uh, mm -hmm. Last year's big thing was about retirement accounts. So it could be that some people ask about the SECURE Act that we've talked about on so many shows in 2020 mm -hmm. about the planning that's different under the SECURE Act, uh, which deals with IRAs and distributions uh, for beneficiaries. So you never know what people are going to ask. Uh, every workshop is different as a result because the questions are different. Right. But we ask and say, what do you want to know? And we proceed to answer those questions. Uh, we do have, by popular demand, some people at uh, this last workshop wanted uh, some presentation. So there'll be a little bit of presentation, some background so that there'll be some basic knowledge, but uh, then we'll see what people want to know, and we never know where it's going to go from there. Well, then um, it's perfect because then it's a stepping stone to the private vision meeting that Michael has with you individually, where no one else attends but you and significant others, where he can really get deep and specific regarding your circumstances. And that's also a free one-hour meeting, so it's three free hours of estate planning essentials discussion and education coming from Michael. And the next one again is February the 13th, Saturday at 10 o'clock to sign up, go to Dallas elder lawyer.com Dallas elder E L D E R lawyer.com, which is Michael's website. 
You could Google Michael Cohen, Michael C-O-H-E-N, Dallas attorney. He'll come up immediately. Or dial 214-720-0102, About nine minutes left in the show. Michael, you're going to give us six things we need to do. Yeah, I think I'll, yeah. So first, when you have a photocopy of the will, because a photocopy is presumed to be destroyed, as we've talked about before, I mean, the original will is presumed to be destroyed, mm-hmm. you must indicate whether in your application, whether the will was lost, or hmm. if it was destroyed, or if it was outside of Texas. Why would you say if it was destroyed, but say that you had some sort of error that uh, was cut out of the will, and they had possession of the will, so that may make the will valid, too, if you had a photocopy and somebody, a bad character, had the will. Mm. So, uh, you know, you might have to to say, you know, well, the will was destroyed in a fire. The original was destroyed in a fire. You have to show why you diligently looked uh, everywhere right. uh, and you couldn't find it. Uh, the second step is you would have to uh, say what the contents of the will might be. Uh, the contents, you know, of course, if you have a, a photocopy of the will, then that should make it easier, uh, and that should probably be sufficient, so that's pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Then the application would not only have um, not only the name and address and relationship to the deceased of each of the persons who were the devisees, the ones who were the beneficiaries of the will, but also when you have a photocopy, you also have to have who the heirs are. So now um, you have to have that information on the heirs. The heirs are under laws of intestacy if you don't have a will. So let's use that example that I just mentioned again. Let's say there's four children and one of them got cut out. You will have to mention that one that got cut out and, and not only have the name and their address, um, but also you're going to have to, uh, uh, step four would also be that um, that they have to be served with citation. So it makes it more difficult when you wow. don't have the original. So they have to either be served with a process, the you know, or they can waive it. But you know, if, uh, if so, when there gets to be some people who get cut out, this is going to make it more difficult to prove up the will because then all of a sudden there might be more of a contesting situation uh, or a difficult situation uh, because they may not cooperate uh, and. Um, so the moral of the story is be sure and keep the original will someplace right. safe that everybody has access to. Right. But uh, the so so step number four is that they have to be served with citation. Although if let's say everybody was agreeable, then they could do a waiver of citation. So you know under Texas law, that where it's also a particular problem. You know we mentioned errors. So you know let's say there was a, a second spouse and there was children from a prior relationship. That's where it could be a real problem, too, because under laws of intestacy, it just doesn't go automatically to the surviving spouse. Mm-hmm. It's split with the, depending on whether it's separate or community property, it's split on uh, uh, between the children uh, of the deceased and mm-hmm. the surviving spouse. And it gets too complicated to tell you about all the different things. I don't have the time right now to go through the how they do it if it's separate versus community property. But just think of it as some sort of split, so that the uh, so it doesn't. You wouldn't think you would think that you would want it to all go to the surviving spouse if the will says that. Right. But remember, if you can't find that original will, uh, you're going to have to notify and serve those children of the deceased. Then 
after that, you also have to, of course, at the, um, you're going to have to have testimony. Uh, you're going to have to prove up all those different things that I just mentioned, you know, the, you know, the relationships, the errors, et cetera, et cetera. And now if you, since it's a photocopy, remember we talked about the self-proving affidavit, the affidavit that says at the end of the will, uh, that, you know, that the person who was over the age of 18, the person who signed the will, the witnesses had to be at least over the age of 14, et cetera, that what you need to do at every will signing ceremony. Um, well, if you can't find the original, was that self-proving affidavit any good? You, you can't prove it up. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so that some courts would say, well, unless some courts might allow you. Now, this is where it gets to be a little bit different from court to court. So there's things called local rules. So different judges do different things as to what's required as far as proof. Mm-hmm. Some might say that that self-proving affidavit in the photocopy, that that may be okay by various court cases or rules that they might permit it. Especially probably if the all the heir, or all the heirs of the beneficiaries are the same, but they might not, and they may require to get a witness. Well, what happens if you can't find the witness? I mean, if you have the witness, then you have the witness uh, swear that all yes, all this was true. Mm-hmm. This was signed before me, before the other witness, and they signed it before uh, the person was over the age of 18. We were each over the age of 14. Mm-hmm. The person who signed the will was a sound disposing mind and memory, etc. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that makes it certainly easier if you could get the uh, witness, uh, then you're, you're really, that's when you really increase your odds that the, a copy of the will uh, will be sufficient. Um, even though you had to go through these extra steps. Now, so in other words, there's a will, there's a way. Or as was my, they say in my household, um, where there's a will, my wife says, well, I just want to be named in it. Well, exactly. anyway. Uh, <laughs> and, but then the problem is if you can't find those witnesses, then I guess there is one more thing that you could do. And that is that you could, if there are, if the witness, if none of them are, let's say the witnesses are dead. Uh, or there may be in the armed forces that are beyond the court's jurisdiction, then you might be able to get someone to a couple people who could identify the handwriting of the deceased witnesses <laughs> uh, to to uh, verify that the yeah. will was good. So, so that you know, so our laws dictate how things are to be done. You know, if you whatever the situation is, where there's a will, there's a way. Well. Our state law tells us what happens if you do not have the original will, and then you have to go through those processes of the will. So what's the morals uh, of the story? A, number one, well, if you have a will, make sure that whoever your executor is can find the original. If you have mm-hmm. a safe deposit box, you better name that person's, put that name, person's name that's the executor on the box. Right. I'm not telling you that you should have a safe deposit box and put the will there. I'm just saying if you did, then you should do that. Or maybe you say, why do I want to go through the state's rules? Maybe I should just have a trust to begin with. (laughs) If you have a trust, you make your own rules, and you don't have to worry about all these different things, the procedures that we've gone through today. So I'm not saying that everybody should have a trust. There's reasons for doing the will. There's reasons for doing the trust. I'm just saying, you know, you might consider these different things when you do a will, 
make sure that your loved ones, whoever or the executors that are named, uh, that they should know where or could get access to that will so that you don't have to, they don't have to go through all these steps. Uh, so let me kind of tell you just real briefly, I know that we're running low on time, a story of an individual uh, that, uh, that hap- this just happened in January uh, of this year, that uh, uh, the mom just died. And there was individual accounts. And what happened was when, you know, of course, Social Security stops and the bank gets notified and they freeze the account. How are they going to pay the bills? Well, now I have to go through all this process because they can only find a photocopy of the will. So now the kids are going to have to come up with the funds to help pay for things, all the bills, the last illnesses, the this or the that, whatever the, 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 the situation may be, because they can't find their original will. Now, now, now all of a sudden you say, gee, <laughs> I wish he would have had, I wish he would have had the original will. We can't, what happens? We can't find the witnesses. Now we have to go through all these different steps and it may not be valid. And if you don't have a valid, what ends up happening? You have to have an airship determination, which is even more difficult, costly, and expensive, costly and time to consume, uh, is really what I meant to say. So the bottom line is, um, a lot of people say, well, gee, <laughs> I don't want to have to go by the state's rules. Uh, and, you know, so either they might do different things. Sometimes they have joint accounts. Sometimes they have beneficiary designations. Sometimes they have trust. And a, a lot of things a lot of things have to be in consideration uh, before you make a final decision as to what's best for you. And that is why you cannot do this yourself. This is why you need to attend Michael's next workshop to ask the questions and allow Michael to at least briefly give you some options and very easily persuade you that you have to have that private vision meeting with him after the workshop uh, a few days later, a few weeks later. My, I got a call at 9 o'clock last night that my 85-year-old aunt in Pennsylvania is in hospice and only has now days to live, and I'm so now curious more than ever because of how you've educated us today as to whether they have everything in order. Is the will in the right place? Because my uncle is still alive at 87 years old. And so uh, I'm concerned for them. And I'm probably going to have to call them back now because of your typical excellent education. Um, Don't miss this next workshop. It's a virtual one. It's online. Dial 214-720-0102-214-720-0102. 0102 or go to DallasElderLawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com for that February 13th, which is a Saturday at 10 o'clock Estate Planning Essentials Workshop. Dallas Elder Law Attorney Michael Cohen. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Don. A leading estate planner practicing law in Dallas, Texas for decades now, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the estate planning laws that can affect your family and you. The first step is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com to sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214 720-0102. That's 214-720-0102.
A talk show host on 770 KAAM for six years, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate and complete what could currently be a deficient estate plan. Make sure it is done your way and sign up for his next workshop today 